Good morning, everybody. It is great to be here. I'm um, curate here in Holy Trinity, Claygate, and uh, it's my pleasure and privilege to um, talk to you today on this great passage. So let's get stuck straight in. If you have your Bibles open, do keep them open on 1031 if you find it helpful to look at the passage too. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to rewind 2,000 years to that synagogue um, on a probably a sunny day like this. Um, the Jewish people had gathered. Um, so here today we've, we've prayed, we've sung, and we've just heard the passage being read from the Bible. Well, 2,000 years ago in that synagogue in Nazareth, the townsfolk were too meeting to have a service, and it would have been very similar to ours. Instead of calling the building church, Jewish people would have called it a synagogue. And this Saturday, there was a bit of a, bit of a buzz around the church because there's a new celebrity coming. Word's been going around the region that there's a man called Jesus who's going from synagogue to synagogue teaching, and everyone is praising him. Not only this, but Jesus is a local boy brought up right here in Nazareth, Joseph and Mary's boy. People would have remembered him growing up, running around the town. People may even have carpentry in their homes that Joseph and the young Jesus had built for them. They would have started the service with prayer and then a reading from what the Jews called the Torah or the law, a reading from one of the five books of the start of our Bible, Genesis to Deuteronomy. Now after this, they would have had a reading from one of the prophets' books. This morning, the scroll containing the great prophet Isaiah was passed over to this traveling preacher, come home. Jesus stood up, unrolled the scroll, almost to the very end of that scroll, rolling and rolling. The prophecy of Isaiah that was written down some 700 years before Jesus was stood up. What we call Isaiah 61, which is nearly the end. We have 66 chapters in Isaiah. The passage he chose would have been so familiar to those gathering that morning. A passage all about the long-promised Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of the world, God's Son. Except that as they listened to him, they noticed that he stopped just at the moment they would have loved him to have carried on, to have emphasized. At the key moment, he stops. Jesus reads, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he stops. They would have been waiting for the next line from Isaiah and the day of vengeance of our God. They wanted to hear that this salvation would come in force of strong salvation, strong salvation removing the Roman occupying empire. But no, this morning Jesus has a much more important message. Jesus sits down indicating to the whole congregation that he's about to interpret the passage. And then the key moment. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What Jesus is saying is he, Jesus, is the fulfillment of this prophecy. This prophecy has come true right there in their presence that day. Here in their midst, the Messiah, Jesus, 
the Christ prophesied 700 years before. Jesus is here to bring salvation. This is the start of this. This is Jesus's, Jesus Christ's ministry. Jesus isn't a prophet. He is the fulfillment of prophecy. He is what Israel and all people have been waiting for. The Son of God, God himself, to became man, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So looking at these words a little more closely, he's, he is talking about four different types of people. The poor, prisoners, the blind, the oppressed. I think as we consider these verses from Isaiah and now about Jesus, the key question is, does he mean spiritually or does he mean social rescue? Well, some churches today would focus on the spiritual interpretation here, seeing each as an analogy, seeing those who are spiritually poor or recovery of sight being a picture of people seeing for maybe the first time who Jesus is and the salvation that changes everything. As God reveals Jesus coming to provide forgiveness and being able to be free to live life to the full through Jesus. But alternatively, some churches and Christians through the centuries have also focused on the caring beauty of Jesus, coming to actually rescue and heal people from the oppression and captivity that can come in life. In the next few chapters of the Gospels, we see Jesus healing people in dire dire straits, actually recovering sight of the blind, blind people being able to see. Christians for years right up to today have fought to bring real physical care and healing to people suffering from physical troubles. As Christians have set up hospitals and hospices, or today how Christians are involved in food banks, or as Christian lawyers fight for justice for those wrongly accused. The words Jesus quote can be taken either way, or maybe better still, they should be. Of course, Jesus' teaching goes on through the Gospels to teach both. He has a compassion and love for those who are suffering spiritually, physically, or psychologically. Jesus came that we can have life and have life in its fullest in all these spheres. And this covers complete freedom. Mission is all about physical and spiritual care. And this is the good news to all humankind that Jesus brought. This is Jesus' mission, a mission that the disciples were called to join. And after this, led to the invitation for the worldwide church. That day and through the last 2,000 years, this of course leads to an invitation to each of us to be included in God's mission in this world right now. Knowing Jesus is the most precious thing we can have in life. Those of you that know him will testify with absolute gratitude the difference that knowing Jesus has made to your life. He gives purpose, love, reason, community, a future, often where there was none or only short-lived or fleeting hope.
Life, knowing Jesus, is a rock and a firm foundation that changes everything. Jesus said to his disciples, Blessed are your eyes because they see and ears because they hear. I count myself so blessed that I know Jesus, that I know his love in my life, that whatever happens, he is there for and with me and my family. Why wouldn't I want others to know him? And this is the invitation. Jesus invites each of us to be involved in his ministry, in his mission. If we've heard God's good news, why wouldn't we want others to know of him too? As a church, we want to encourage and help others, each of us, to gently be able to share his love that we are so grateful for. Jesus would later command us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then went on to say, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandments than these two. If we love God and then our neighbor as ourselves, surely, naturally, we should come to the desire to share with our neighbors the love of God. Wherever we find ourselves, we can do this. Wherever you are tomorrow, Monday morning, for example, think of who you spend your time with each week. Think of those people you spend so long with, maybe those people who don't know Jesus. How can we come close to those loving, lovely folk that God longs for them to know him? Gently and without a fanfare, just normally talking about and sharing our experience of God. As a church, we have a heart to help each of us as we grow in confidence to share his love. That is why one of our key mission statements uh, that Patrick rose last week was that we want to be proactive in mission. And I think that's key. Now, this might be daunting, but actually it's such a privilege to witness in how we live our lives. Jesus is just asking us to be ourselves and just love each other. And others. The people who we spend most of the week with, our family, our colleagues, fellow students, friends, is one key part of God's calling for each of us to be missionaries. The other way God involves us in, in mission is by giving us a heart and passion for a particular group of people, maybe outside of what we do uh, Monday to Friday. This is why we as a church have mission partners. We share in their passions for just one part of God's whole mission. In line with our reading today, our mission partners cover both spiritual and social missions, so often together. So we have these partners, the Jonas Center, Overseas Mission Fellowship in China, Hope Gardens in India, Tear Fund Worldwide, the Ukraine Mission, Beesom, right here in Isha, and the Church Pastoral Aid Society. For each of these, you can be involved by giving your time, your prayers, and your resources. Getting involved in one of these mission partners is good in itself, but it's also so good by being involved in a partner to also become more confident to express your heart, to be able to be missionary in a safe environment with a partner before coming home and being missionary in our daily lives by loving those around us. 
by experiencing and exercising our passions in the Ukraine or Beeson or Jonas, we can grow in confidence, experiencing the joy of showing God's love, always having a heart for God's mission and his love for all the world, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent us to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Bless you all. Amen.